Okay, thanks, John. Good morning, Brookside. How's everybody doing? Good. Good deal. Well, I want to um, just start off by saying a few things about last weekend. We had a great Easter Sunday around here. Um, God did some some great things. If you were a guest here with us last weekend and uh, and you're back here this morning, we want to say welcome to you. We're glad that you um, we're glad that you're here. Uh, between our our two or our, between our three services, four services, sorry, our Friday night and then our uh, services on Easter, um, over 2,200 people were in attendance and. And um, the thing that, you know, we celebrate the most, though, is um, a lot of people, several people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And so uh, let's just thank God for that. Yeah, it's a great weekend. So. And, and in light of that, and this is really on, on behalf of, of the whole staff and our elders as well, um, we just want to say thank you to all of, our, all of our volunteers. You know, we know that there's not a weekend that doesn't happen around here. There's not a, a midweek service or a program that doesn't happen without a, a big force of volunteers to help pull that off. And so I'm, I'm convinced that we have some of the most fantastic people that serve around here. Um, it's, it's just great. And so I hope this morning that you're reminded um, that uh, you are, are making a difference. You're helping our church be a place where the truth of Jesus Christ is being made known. And so just from all of us, thank you and, um, and, and be encouraged what God is, is doing through you and, and through our church. Well, before we dive in, uh, I just want to pray uh, with you this morning. And, uh, and Rob kind of got us thinking this way. I love how he even put it. Um, let's just open ourselves up to God today. And so would you pray with me and, and let's just go before God and, and, um, and have a conversation with him. So let's pray together. Lord, uh, we come to you today and I just want to first say thank you. Um, thank you that you allow us to gather together in this place. We're grateful for that. And uh, Lord, we want to pray Lord, that today we would be impacted by you. Lord, that today you would do something very unique in our hearts, Lord. We come to hear from you. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, as your word is taught, we pray that our hearts would be open, that they would be soft towards you. Lord, I think of those who maybe come here today with a heavy heart. I pray, Lord, you would minister to their souls. I pray you'd encourage them. I think of those who are maybe here today and, and they're brand new in Christ. I pray that today would be an encouragement. I pray that uh, today that there would be um, just kind of water poured on that, that seed of faith that you've planted. And then, Lord, I, I pray for all of us that you would awaken in us, Lord, the reality of what it means to know you and to live in an identity with you. And so maybe just have a conversation now on your own. Just say, hey, Lord, I'm open to you. And God, would you do something unique inside of me today? God, would you, would you speak to me today? So just take a second and do that. So Lord, that's our prayer. We love you, we're open to you, and we know that you're good. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, today's message is called un, 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 Unmistakably Me. And uh, today we're going to be talking about our identity. And let me start off by, by asking you a question. When you think about who you are, what comes to mind? If someone came up to you and they asked, who are you? What would you say? What are the kinds of things that you would say describe you? If someone came up to you and they asked that question, what would come out of your mouth? What defines you? What's your identity? Here's a good one. What do you think about yourself? What things would you say characterize who you are? That can be really a pretty interesting question because our identity can come from any number of things. I would, I would imagine, you know, like you, like me, we've had our own times maybe of identity crisis in a sense. To the question, who are you, 
what would you, what would you say? Maybe you would answer, I'm, I'm a parent. Maybe you'd say, I'm a student. I'm a musician. Maybe you'd say, I feel ugly. Maybe you'd say, I'm a failure. Maybe you'd say, I, I'm, I'm smart. Maybe you'd say, I'm clever. Maybe you'd say, I'm falling short. Maybe you'd say, I'm a phony. I'm not really who you think I am. Maybe you would say, you're defined by your house. That's kind of who you are. Maybe you would say, you're defined by your car. In college, and about 10 years after college, I drove this little red Honda Civic. And, and even today, when I see people from college, they'll say to me, hey, do you still have that little red car? And one of my college demented mind friends called it the bloody booger. Go figure, you know, weirdo, you know. And, uh, and so this thing, like, and particularly when it got to like 300,000 miles plus, not a good identity, right? Not what you want to be associated with. Maybe your identity comes from your clothes. Maybe it's your, your kids. Maybe their lives kind of consume yours. Maybe it's, it's, it's hobbies. Those can be identi- identity definers. Maybe it's sports, or, or your kids' activities, or the activities that you're involved in. I really like sports. Um, when I was growing up, though, I, I think things were a little bit different. It, it didn't seem like sports were quite as big of a deal. Uh, we live right by, our house is right by a Little League baseball diamond. And so this time of year, especially with some, some of the rain that we've had, there's a baseball game on any sunny day these days, right? And so the, 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 the crowd is just over there and they're cheering. And, and they, you would think at times that a, a young child has been critically injured and that a, a mom has come over to the scene and is just wailing. But it's not what has happened. What's happened is there's this white ball. It got hit into the air and the six-year-old was like, I got it, I got it. And then it hit the ground. And there's people that just freak out about that ball that hit the ground, right? Now, I'm, I'm not exempt from this. A few weeks ago, at my son's soccer game, I'm the so-called coach, if you could say that. And I, it was, we were down four to three. And it was between the periods. And so I pulled these five-year-olds together, future Olympians, mind you, and uh, crowded them down. I said, hey, hey, guys, we're down. It's four to three. And they didn't know what the score was. We're, I knew though. It's, we're down. We, we gotta win. And I said, I will give you a sucker if you score this period. One of the kids was like, all of us? I'm like, all of you score, right? Here's the deal. I didn't want to be identified as a loser. And I didn't want to walk off the field as a loser. Think about your identity for a second. Sometimes our identity can be, can be wound up in things that are very limited. Things that are, are, are merely external. We learned this early on. I was out on a date with my three-year-old daughter just a couple weeks ago, and she'd gotten this new pair of shoes, these little, little bitty shoes. You know, there's only three, and they're, they're gold, and they're all glittery, sparkly things. By the time that we got up to leave Wendy's, you know, it's a good place to go for a frosty this time of year. By the time we got up to leave, three different people had complimented her on her shoes. And I just watched, you know, the ladies would walk up to her, you know, or lady in the line, the cashier. Oh, you're such pretty shoes, little girl. And she just, you know, just glowing, right? Think about this for a second. What defines you? Well, where, where do you get that sense of identity? Because here's what's true. Your identity comes from something. Today we're going to ask this question. In light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in light of the fact we just celebrated Easter, this message comes right on the back of that because we're asking the question, in light of Jesus Christ, what should our identity be? And how then should that identity impact our lives? I heard another pastor, Craig Rochelle, he put it like this. He said, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. But knowing who you are is, it's critical. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And 
the majority of our time will be in chapter two of this morning. And the things that we're going to see are big. I mean, they're big enough that they can, they can capture your identity. They can impact how your life is lived out. First, actually turn to chapter one. I, I want to set this up because in chapter one, we find out who's writing. We find out who it's being written to. And it gives us some good context for where we're going to go the majority of the morning. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus. Now you might wonder, okay, the saints in Ephesus. Now who, who is that? He, he's writing to Christians. That, that's all that is. So you might have, may have never thought of yourself as a saint, but that's, that's the title. People that are set apart for Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful and true in Jesus Christ. And we're going to come back to those words in Jesus Christ over and over this morning because they're important as we think about our identity. Now, if if we were to keep going, to read through all of chapter 1, what we would see is that Paul spends these next verses reciting the acts of God, all the things he recites that God has done. It's like an expression of worship to God. Verses 3 through 14 in the original language, it's just one long run-on sentence. And it's like Paul's just, he's just proclaiming, praise, praise, praise. You might have heard of it known as the, the doxology. It's as though in chapter 1, the words that Paul's doing, it's like he's painting this, this beautiful masterpiece, displaying all the things that God the Father has richly blessed you and me in with Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Blessing number two in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, number three, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Number four, verse seven, skip down to verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then look at verse 11, blessing five. In him, we were also chosen. Blessing after blessing in Christ, blessings from God the Father. And then he really speaks out when you get skip down to verse 16. And it's as though he says, when he gets to verse 16, it's as though he's saying, hey, Readers, anybody that would hear this today, he's saying, this is my heart for you. you Picture this leader, he cares for these people. He's saying, this is my heart for you. Verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a great prayer. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's why he's writing. I want all of you to know this morning, this is the reason, this is why you've been, why you've been called. Now, when we get to chapter two, Paul brings us into the picture. Those are all the, the great things of God. Now he brings us into the picture when we get to chapter two. Now note this, we're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning, but the first nine verses really get us to where we're going. The peak verse is verse 10, but the first nine verses lay the foundation. It's like the journey to get to that final verse, verse 10. Look with me at at, uh, verse 1, chapter 2. 
as for you, he's saying. Now, we've talked about God and all those blessings. As for you, and you're going to be able to see yourself in this text. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Notice that he says um, that you were dead in your sins and transgressions in which you used to live. Meaning this, that remember, he's talking to, to followers of Christ and he's painting this picture that there was once a time when when you were alive but dead. And you kind of go, what? How, how come? What are you talking about? But here's what he's saying. There was once a time when before Christ, you were alive physically, but spiritually you were, you were dead. Many of you would say this. You can remember the years that you lived physically alive, but the years where you'd say, I was spiritually dead. I was far, far from God. No one is exempt from this. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, we see Adam and Eve, they are enjoying fellowship with God. Things are great. There's no worries. There's no secrecy. Uh, there's no problems, right? And then they say, and go to Genesis 3, they say, you know what? We can do this maybe our way, you know, and we'll kind of cut some corners here. And, and then they, they said, okay, we're, we're going to take things into our own hands. And in that moment of disobedience, the switch was turned and their fellowship with God was changed. And in that moment, they went from being spiritually alive to being spiritually dead. And from that moment on, all of mankind has been born into that condition. Being alive physically, but being spiritually dead. Look at verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. It says all of us lived among them at, at one time, talking to Christ followers, and it's true that there was a time when you lived BC. There was a time when you lived before Christ. There was a time when you would say, I had an identity that was before Christ. And then in that state, look at verse four. In that state, or excuse me, the rest of verse three, it says, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. This is not the happy part of the text. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Like it or not, before Christ, each one of us had an identity of being sinful, of being spiritually dead, of being objects of wrath. In kind of the nicest face you can muster up, turn to the person next to you and say, there was something wrong with you. Go ahead. Go ahead. There was something wrong with you. Some of you are enjoying that way too much. Yes. I think I heard someone say, there still is something wrong with you, right? But that's the state of mankind pre-Jesus Christ. Not a great identity. And then things change. We get to verse 4. You ever had one of those days things are just going downhill? And you're just like, oh, I can't believe that happened and that happened. And you just kind of resign that the whole day is going to be like that. You know what I mean? You're picturing going home in a bad mood. And then boom. Something happens. You get news of something, an email comes, a call comes, and all of a sudden you've forgotten that all the bad things, things are going well. Look at verse four. It says, but because of his great love for us. And you might just circle that whole thing and write in the margin, thank you, Jesus. This is the the good news. This is the news that allows you and I to have an identity that is unparalleled. Notice though that it doesn't say this. Notice that it doesn't say Because of our great love for God. 
No, it doesn't say that. It says, but because of his great love for us. This comes straight from God. This is his initiative. This is not ours. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, meaning abounding, it's unlimited mercy. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It says that he made us alive, meaning that we might have been physically alive, but now we're spiritually alive. I love this Romans six eleven. It says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the mark of a Christ follower. You are identified as spiritually alive. And then notice that it says, made us alive with Christ. That's the link to life. That's the, the link to true identity. If, if you read, just, I was reading this week in the, in the book of Colossians, and if you read the letters of Paul, you see over and over, he says, in Christ, in Christ. Everywhere you look, it's in Christ, in Christ. And what he's wanting to drive home is this. Identity, true identity, it's, it's found in Christ, in relationship with Christ. Everything, everything changes. And keep going. Even though you were dead in your transgressions, it says, verse 5, it is by grace that you have been saved. Grace is when you deserve justice, but you get mercy. God is, it says he's rich in mercy, abounding. Grace is unmerited favor. There are times, yeah, grace, I love it. Yeah, it's good. There are times at my house with my little ones where, good timing, where my kids are having a little come to Jesus meeting. You know those types, right? And they know that there's a spanking coming and uh, they'll say to me, Dad, 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 oh, be, before dad, 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 they'll say, can you just give me grace? And I'll say, good being so spiritual, you know, or no, I won't say that. But, but here's what they're saying. They're saying, they're saying, dad, I might deserve punishment, but will you give me a pass? Will you give me a, a free card? Will you give me a pass? Will you give me grace? If you're a Christ follower, your identity is marked by grace. That's why the more that you understand God, the more that you understand his grace, the more you see people in your life that aren't experiencing it, the more you want to share it with them. Because you want everyone to experience the free grace of God. Look with me at at verse 6. It keeps going. It's like a a look ahead now. It says, and God raised us. and, And now this is under that identity of grace being marked by grace. And God raised us up with Christ. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's like he, not just forgiveness of sins in Christ. No, no, no. It's future blessing. It's to be with Christ. It's this picture of the future of eternity to come reigning with Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 8. This is grace on display. Further explanation, here it is. For it is by grace that you have been saved. To be saved means to be, it's like redeemed, like brought back. It's like made alive. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. John 1, 12 says, yet to all who who received him. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I remember having a a conversation with the guy in college that was instrumental in leading me to the Lord. 
And I remember saying to him, I said, you know, Jake, I just don't feel, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel adequate. Just speaking sincerely to this guy. I said, I, I don't really, I don't deserve the grace of God. And I was thinking about my past and relationships. And I was thinking, I just don't deserve the grace of God. And I think in a very wise manner, he said to me, he looked right at me. He said, Jeff, you're right. You don't deserve it. But yet God is so loving that he offers it to you, not in response, not as a response to what you've done or what you're doing now or going to do, but in a response to his love. That's grace. Look at verse nine. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then notice what it says, not by works. This is not of, not of yourselves, not by works. This goes against the grain, I think, of our, our thinking lots of times. I don't know about you, but I can adopt that mentality of, hey, I can get it done, by golly. You know, I'll just work harder. Not so with having an identity in Christ. It's a God thing that any one of us are alive in Christ. A total God thing. It's his mercy. We are not saved by our good works. Rather, we are saved to do good works for the one who would save us, who saved us. And why is that? It says because so that no one can boast. When you and I find our identity in, in Christ, there, there's, there's no boasting. There, there's no possible way to boast. It's a, it's a gift from God. The scriptures say in James 4, 6, it says that God, he stands opposed to the proud, opposition for the proud, but he gives grace. It's like open door. It's like come in to the humble, opposed to the proud, but he gives, he gives grace to the humble. And now look with me at verse 10. This text just keeps building and building. And you could think of it this way. By this point in the text, the, the foundation has been built. Our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ has been spelled out very clearly. The foundation of the gospel and our identity is now even further heightened. Look at verse 10. In light of it all, in light of your standing, for we are God's workmanship. Now don't, don't miss this. I love the way some other translations translate this. One of them says, you are God's handiwork. Another says, you are God's masterpiece. Get that, think about that. You are God's masterpiece. The original word there is, uh, is uh, pioma. And, and it's where we get the word po- poem from. And it's like saying this. It's like saying, your life is a poetic statement. Your life is a poetic statement of the glory of God. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece, the tapestry of God. The earliest Christ followers, they, they chose to, to call themselves an ecclesia, meaning this, that, that it means the called out ones, the ones that are called out for a grand purpose, a grand identity, a masterpiece. Know this, there isn't a person in this room that is just a somebody. There is not a single one of you here. You are God's masterpiece. And for some of you, that's the word you need today. You are God's masterpiece. I love this. David said in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, he said, for you created my inmost being. Speaking of God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Who do you think you are? Really? I mean, who do you think you are? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Repeat this out loud with me. I am, I am God's masterpiece. Say it again. I am 
God's masterpiece. Okay, now turn to the person next to you to make up for what you said earlier and said, you are God's masterpiece. Go ahead. All right, we got the smiles back. Good. All right. Now, parents, parents, don't miss this, parents. Don't miss this. You have an opportunity this week. Say to your kid at the right time, say, hey, do you know you're God's masterpiece? He made you wonderfully. He he designed you. He knit you together. You're his masterpiece. Look back at Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's workmanship. And then it said, notice this word. You might even circle this in your Bible. Created. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has been united with Christ through faith, he is a new creation, a masterpiece. The old, it's gone. But the new, it's, the new has come. Have you ever been to an art gallery? You know the scene in an art gallery, it's, it's, um, it's kind of quiet and you know, people are kind of mingling around and, and, um, and you, there's not a whole lot of talking, but you're looking and, and, and maybe you were, you've been to an art gallery where you kind of go from room to room and, and you know, by the time you're done, you've looked at like maybe hundreds even of different um, pieces of art and you know, many of which I kind of go, I don't know what that is, you know, it looks good, you know, and, but you know how it is when you, you kind of walk around and then all of a sudden you, you get to a, a piece that, that, that grabs your eye, right? You get to a piece where you're like, whoa, that's cool. And it's usually got a crowd around it. People are looking at it and talking about it. And then you see the people that you came with and you're like, hey, did you see that picture over there? And you get in the car and you're talking about that picture and you're describing it and you're thinking about it and you stood there and you took some time and you just gazed at it. Know this, friends, in Christ, you, your life, you are that picture. It's a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has uniquely created you. I think maybe the better question this morning isn't so much the one of, hey, what do you think of yourself? But the better thing to do, I think, is to embrace this one. What does God think of you? He looks at you and he goes, you're my masterpiece in Christ. Masterpiece. Let's keep going. Look at the rest of this verse, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The thing I love about this, how this plays out is that we aren't just God's masterpiece to do absolutely nothing of importance. It's not as though we're just to hang on the wall, collect a bit of dust, and and be done, right? No, no, it's not that way at all. We are created with a very defined purpose. In Christ, the people around us should know who we are. In Christ, they should see our good deeds and they should go, oh, something different about them. There have been times where we've been on vacation and, and whether it's a waitress or somebody at the restaurant or store or whatever, and, and they're just acting in a certain way. And I'll maybe say to my wife, I bet you that's a Christ follower. But you know why? You know why I'm thinking that? Because th- th- their life is it's defined by, by good works. You were created for that. It's like saying by your good works, it's like you're saying thank you to God for his grace and his mercy in your life. Notice that those good works have been prepared in advance for us to do. Don't miss this. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you can say to God, today, God, you have prepared me. You have prepared in advance good works for me to do. I mean, think about that for a second. You're going to work on Monday, right? With your family, uh, the stranger. You were created, and God knows what they are. You were created to do good works. Again, in Christ, God has prepared things for us in advance to do. In closing, I want to give you just two things to remember. And you might jot these down. Here's, here's the first one. 
as we think about this whole text together. First one is this. Regardless of your past, in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You know, I would encourage you to commit to memory this week. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says that if anyone is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. You might be saying here today, you might be saying, yeah, yeah, but. Hey, little, hey, preacher boy up there. Yeah, but you have no idea about my past. You don't know me. And you know what I would say to that? God does know you. And God is not in heaven going, that's surprising. I've never seen mankind do that, what he did. No, God's not doing that. He is not shocked. He's not surprised. And I don't say that to to minimize sin or anything like that. But I say that to to, to lift up things like this. The the, the message of scripture, John 1, 12. To all who would receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God. You know, there are things in my past that I look back on and I go, even just periods of years, and I just go, I wish I could redo that. But honestly, I would say that God's used some of those dark spots now, right, for his purposes. Do I choose that path? Absolutely not. But I look back now and I go, okay, I, I, I can understand that a little bit. You might say today, you might say, I've wasted years. I've wasted a whole lot of years. I would say to you, God, God can redeem that. God can redeem that. What's important is, well, what do you do today? Number two, here it is. In Christ, you have everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. You remember in the scriptures, do you remember Moses, when Moses gets this, this command from God, and, and, you know, and you can just picture God appearing to Moses and that whole thing, and, and then God says, Moses, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. To which Moses is like, I am not your man. And he comes up with excuses. He says, I'm not eloquent. You want me to go to Pharaoh. He's a big, important guy. I I can't even talk very well. I'm not your guy. And God, you know, in in kind of love and grace says, hey, go. Do what I've asked you to do and I will help you. I will be with you. You were created in Christ Jesus. In, In Christ, you have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. I love this. Second Peter chapter one, verse three says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Unmistakably in Christ, you are a masterpiece and you were created in Christ Jesus for the master's purpose. Let's um, let's just pray together and, and let's ask God to help us grab onto that. You know, you might be here today and and just kind of in a spirit of prayer here. You might be here today and you'd say, I'm a Christian, but you know what? I have yet to embrace this identity that you're talking about. I'm not living like a masterpiece. I don't feel like a masterpiece. I don't think like a masterpiece. When I look in the mirror, I'm not thinking masterpiece. And I would just say to you this morning, would you let the scriptures grip you? Psalm 139, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. If you're a Christian here today, ask God right now, say, Lord, take away my doubt. Lord, would you remind me of who I am in Christ? Would you ask God to say, would you, would you say, Lord, remind me I'm a new creation. The, the old is gone, the new has come. You prepared in advance good things for me to do in Christ. So maybe just have a conversation with him right now. Make today your day. Say, you know what? I embrace my identity today. I'm in Christ I don't want to waste time being identified with anything else that's fleeting. 
Today I'm saying I want to be identified in Christ. When people think of me, they think of Christ. That's my identifier. And then maybe there's, I'm sure there's another group here today. You would say, I've never stepped into relationship with Jesus Christ. And today I would say to you, would you say, I want to be a new creation? Because the scriptures are clear. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And you could call out to him, John 1, 12, yet to those who would receive him, to those who would believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Would you say to God this morning, if you're here and you don't know Christ, would you say, I believe, I'm in. Lord, you take over. So Lord, we just ask you today, would you do something great in our lives? Lord, for those who don't know you, we pray that today would be the day of salvation, that even right now in this moment, there would be conversations happening where people are accepting you as their savior. And then Lord, for for the Christ followers here, Lord, might today be the day where we say, okay, my identity in Christ is more than maybe I thought that it was. And so Lord, would you help my identity in Christ now to, to influence everything that I do? Lord, help me to live like a masterpiece. Lord, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, today we um, have the privilege of, of taking communion together. And uh, communion, is when, communion is when we remember 